Thank you. Uh, thanks, Jose, and uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Central. If you're guest of us, my name's Craig, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at uh, Central. And uh, today we're going to do something that uh, we've been hoping to do for quite a while, and that is introduce to you, allow you, afford you the, the privilege of getting to know Pastor Pana of, of Cambodia and Pastor Sandy of Indonesia. And uh, we've been looking forward to this moment for the last few years, and uh, it's going to be a great time. But before we do that, some of you may be new to Central, and uh, you may be wondering how we work, how we function. A number of years ago, God just laid it on our hearts to really uh, seek a way of taking what God has blessed us with and giving it to the world. Uh, we've done that locally with Pastor Jose. You've you've met um, if you were here at nine at ten forty five. Many of you weren't. That's just the way it works, right? Getting the kids in. You'd have seen Pastor Torrin. Uh, Pastor Torrin is another recipient of our of our generosity, and uh, we're exploring ways in which we can take how what God has blessed us with and really give that to the world. And we we do believe that the season of mission. It's changing. Central has always been a missional church. From 1981, when we first started something called Faith Promise Giving, into the 90s, where we just had this vision of sending 100 missionaries out into the world, Central has just captured and been captured by this whole idea of going to the world and make disciples. And we've done that. But in the early 2000s, a lot of the ways that we needed to do that, changed. 9-11 changed an awful lot, tightened borders, our borders, and the borders everywhere else. And what we've discovered is that essentially the vast majority of Western missionaries who are going overseas, are going into what is called world, uh, world sea areas. World sea areas is basically the most Christianized places. And not a lot of Western missionaries, not a lot of people are going into what we would call World A countries. Those are those countries that have the least number of Christians, that have the most unreached people groups. And Western missionaries can't go in there. Now, and we really are captivated by Matthew 24, 14, which essentially says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world and then the end will come. Well, the question is, and the challenge is, if, if we can't go as we did in the 1990s to these unreached people groups, to these un, uh, kind of unexplored areas, who can? And God placed it on our hearts to, to really find and to pray and to seek uh, indigenous leaders, indigenous pastors in those countries that we can just support them behind the scenes as they do ministry in the way that we support Pastor Jose as he does ministry or Pastor Torrin as he do, does ministry. Our vision is not to take my face and to put it everywhere. That's the vision of many, uh, many kind of bigger churches. Our vision is to take what God has blessed us with and to help others do what God has called them to do. That's our vision. And, and we have a vision of doing that in those places where people have never heard about Jesus because we really do believe that Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And God has led us into Cambodia. God has led us into Indonesia through partnering with Pastor Panner in Cambodia and Pastor Sandy in Indonesia. And folks, this is just the beginning. There's a whole load more that God is going to do. And so our vision as a church is we are in this campus here, the Holland campus, just one campus of a number of campuses. And our aim is simple. We want to be a family of churches who are committed to being kingdom-minded and missionally generous. And so it's my privilege to introduce you to two of our family members. You'll notice they look nothing like me, nothing like you. They sound nothing like you. And believe it or not, they don't sound anything like me either. These are members of our faith family, members of our network. So please welcome with me Pastor Panna, uh, Pastor Sandy, and uh, we have a translator here as well. Welcome, guys. Sandy. Hey, good to see you. Now, we're going to do a little bit of Acts 2 here. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter 2, 
we, uh, we read the story of the 120 gathered in the upper room and, and they're praying for the Spirit of God to fall just as Jesus told them uh, he would and the Spirit fell and you remember they rushed out of the room and they started, the Bible says, to praise God in other tongues. And uh, that basically caused religious people who are in Jerusalem to worship to stop and to ask what's going on. Now, it shouldn't be surprising, right, if religious people get religious in a religious service. Right? It shouldn't really be surprising. But it did surprise them. And you know why? Because God blessed them with the gift and the ability to speak in another language. And grammatically, they nailed it because God never gets it wrong. But fanatically, they sounded like Galileans. And Galileans have a stronger accent than Welshmen, believe it or not. So we're going to see a little bit of Acts today, in as much as these guys are going to speak the language that we speak in, in heaven, right? We're all going to speak English in heaven, English, right guys? So you're going to, uh, we're, we're giving you the opportunity to do it. But they're going to speak English in their accent. So hopefully the training for you guys over the last three years has helped you to discern accents a little bit. But what we're going to do, I, I would just love our congregation just to get to know you both in the way that I've had the privilege over the last few years of getting to know you. And uh, just feel free to express your heart. These guys have been trained by me to kind of understand what's going on. Uh, Sandy, there may be a couple of times you want to use uh, just your interpreter there. Thank you so much for being here and, and doing this. Uh, but um, they understand everything we're saying to them. And they're just going to share their heart with you. And uh, the most important thing is, who are you? I mean, you're sitting here. So, Pana, starting with you, tell us who you are. Tell us about your family. So, I want to say uh, hello to, like, every one of you. Just as, like, uh, Pastor Greg has mentioned that maybe we might have different action, and then one day we will have the same language in heaven. <laughs> so, my name is Pana, and I am married with blessed with, uh, with two kids, and my oldest daughter, she is nine, and her name is Rachel, or Rachel, and my youngest son, he is four, and named Ben, or called Benjamin, Benjamin. So, I just want to tell you about the story that I have met my wife, and just back to uh, 2007, and that was a command new year, so we, here we have, we just have a, like a, a new year, but we have a command new year that was in uh, April, this coming April. So when I, when I met her at the hometowns where I, where I were born, and then I met her, I feel like, oh, she, she's the one that God wants me to marry her. And then I, when I met her, like, I, I feel I fell in love with her just, just for the first time. <laughs> So, so I, I, I really encourage and go to her and ask her, do you have boyfriend? <laughs> that seem, seems like I'm crazy, but like, oh, I wanted to know her. And she said, no. Oh, so I feel, oh, so that's available for me. <laughs> but but I, just, I just ask her, oh, so can we date? She said, no. So, so, so that was oh, so like, like I'm 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 hopeless already. But, but but she said because it's the culture is really strict here in the province, so we, we can talk on phone. <laughs> so so that's a good thing. It's have hope again. So <laughs> so finally on uh, 2008, that was uh, January 5. Just passed by. It was my 10 years anniversary. So, so you were here for your 10-year anniversary? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Oh. Well, and we made some bonus points with your wife then, didn't we? <laughs> no. But I just said to her, I love you for an happy anniversary while I'm here. <laughs> that just, just a bit sacrifice or it is a good privilege for me to share what is God having doing in my life also. Now, have either of you seen snow or been in snow before? We, have you been in snow before? No? Uh, this is your first time, right? No. So he missed his anniversary to come leave a hot climate to come on this one. <laughs> Welcome to America. Welcome to Michigan. But Panna, we're so glad you're here. Sandy, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yeah. Uh, uh, nama saya Sandy Bahagia. My name is Sandy Bahagia. Uh, uh, kata mama saya Sandy artinya hari Minggu. 
My mother said Sunday uh, means Sunday. Yeah. Berarti bahagia berarti happy. Bahagia means happy. Jadi happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. <laughs> ya, yeah, uh, uh, saya punya istri satu namanya Wiwin. I have one wife her name is Wiwin. Dan saya diberkati dengan dua anak. And we were we are blessed with two children. Yang pertama namanya Deosan, bahagia. The first one names is Giosan Bahagia. Uh, umurnya uh, dua tahun setengah. Two and a half years old. Dan yang kedua namanya Elson. The second one names is Elson. Ya, umurnya satu tahun setengah. Uh, one and a half years old. Ya, yeah. saya bertemu dengan istri saya tahun 2004. I met my wife in 2004. Pada saat itu istri saya baru menerima Tuhan Yesus sebagai Tuhan dan Juru Selamat. At that time my wife just... Accepted Jesus as a, as her savior. Dia tinggal di kota lain satu jam dari Bogor. Saya tinggal di Bogor. She lived uh, in a town about one hour away from Bogor. Ya, yeah, uh, ketika uh, istri saya percaya Tuhan Yesus, uh, dia harus diusir dari kampungnya dan rumahnya mau dibakar. When he when she proclaimed that she accepted Jesus, uh, the town was unhappy and then they Uh, chase her out and then and wanted to burn their house down. Dan istri saya pergi ke Bogor. And she went to Bogor. Dan bertemu dengan saya. And met him. Ya, Tuhan Yesus baik. Bless God. <laughs> Dan akhirnya saya uh, menikah pada uh, tanggal 14 Februari 2010. We got married in uh, February the 14, 2010. Ya. Oh, you're romantic, you. Valentine's Day. Um, you, you, ca- you catch a, a little bit of the, of the story here then, right? Sandy's wife accepted Christ, and because she accepted Christ, she was driven out of her home. If you heard the story, they threatened to burn the house down. So it really was, she fled for her life. Matthew chapter 21 following, if you read this, when you flee, do not flee in the Sabbath. This is the context of the early believers. It's, it's Sandy's wife's context. Came into Bogor, and under that tragedy, a beautiful story that is basically their family has been written. But you're already catching a glimpse here that where they live and where they minister is a difficult place to be a follower of Jesus, and it's a, certainly a difficult place to be a pastor. So what I'd like you guys to do is just tell us a little bit about your country, first of all, and then about where you are, Phnom Penh, and then obviously Bogor. Yeah, I just uh, want to share about my country, it's called Cambodia, and maybe some of you know, or some of you might not know, that Cambodia was the country who's been failed to the Pol Pot regime that was from 1975 to 1979, and more than, 10, uh, more than 3 million killed, just, just the same that the killing field. So that's the saddest thing happened in my country, that our nation killed our nation, more than 3 million. So now we have the total population is about like 16 million, and I am planning a church in Phnom Penh, which is have population totally two millions, just only in Phnom Penh. And it's majors to uh, Buddhism and only one person that is a Christian. Yeah. So uh, Pan is planting in the capital city of Phnom Penh. And uh, if you go to Cambodia, most of us have heard of the movie The Killing Fields. If you go over there, uh, it is... Uh, an incredibly brutal uh, site, um, and an entire generation of leaders which simply wiped out uh, from the country. It is a very, very difficult uh, place to be. And uh, Sandy, your situation, you're in Indonesia. Tell us a little bit about uh, Indonesia and about Bogor, where you are. Yeah, uh, saya tinggal di Indonesia, dan Indonesia adalah uh, negara uh, berpenduduk muslim terbesar, nomor satu di dunia. Indonesia is the biggest Muslim country in the world. Ya, jumlah penduduk Indonesia sekitar 262 juta saat ini. Indonesian population is 262 million. Dan Muslim sekitar 85%. 85% of them are Muslims. Christ, Kristen hanya uh, sekitar 6,9, kurang dari 7%. Christians 
consists of about 6.9%. Ya, dan saya tinggal di Kota Bogor, yaitu yang suku Sunda adalah suku yang terbesar. Uh, I live in uh, a city called Bogor. It's the biggest uh, Sunda Sundanese. Sundanese, ya. Yeah. Ya, suku yang uh, sulit untuk menerima Injil. That's the, the tribe that's very difficult to to accept uh, the Bible. Saya asli, saya dan istri saya adalah asli orang Sunda. Uh, my wife and I uh, come from the Sunda uh, province. Yeah. Dan Indonesia uh, terdiri dari beribu pulau. Indonesia consists of uh, thousands of islands. So it's 13,000 islands and about 7,000, I believe, are inhabited. So it's, uh, it's a big place. It is a pretty diverse place. But you touched on something there again I, I want to pick, uh, pick up on. Uh, Sandy mentioned the Sundanese people, uh, the people group, the tribe. Uh, many of you will know if you've been around Central for a little while that we've had a connection with Indonesia for quite a while. The churches uh, partnered together with a seminary over there, helped to build a, a chapel. And two years ago, uh, Pastor Mike and I were over there. We taught in the seminary. And while we were there, we did a Q&A with students. And one of the students actually said that one of the hardest people groups to reach are the Sundanese people. Can you give us any advice on how to reach them? And I said, sure, why don't you go and talk to Pastor Sandy? And when they found out the work that Sandy was doing in this particular um, part of Indonesia with this particular people group that are so hard and so militant, they were overwhelmed. And in country, they just recognized how incredible it is, the work that is being done. And that's true for both of you. When you, uh, when you get into seeing firsthand the work of God that is there in such a difficult place, It, it, it is amazing, and obviously all of this began, this journey began with, with you folks personally coming to Jesus himself. And in both of your stories, you weren't brought, brought up in a Christian home. Many of us here are in the church because we were kind of born to Christian families. That's often the way it can be in the West, but that wasn't true for you. In truth, you coming to Christ led you through a lot of pain, and through that pain, God met you. Tana, share with us a little bit about your story, about your background, your family, and then what led you to accepting Christ. Well, thank you again. I, in my country, that we major in Buddhism, so... When I was there, it's like uh, 97% of uh, Buddhism. So I never heard about any gospel or God about Jesus. Because my father, he has a good work. He was the general and he has a very good work in the army. So like, it's like a thing that I don't need anything more because what I want, my father can give me. So the thing just, ha just happened and changed to, to my life because one day my father is really sick. He's really sick and then we have to sell our, our property to pay for the treatment and to pay for the hospital. And, and then he, he just passed away after we sell all our property. And the times come, I am become starving. Starvation is poverty was comes to my family. And not just only poverty in my family, but in my country, poverty is the most, we can say the most giant that hits my, uh, Cambodia. Yep. So what happens to my life? That on that time, I was 14, and You're 14 at the I'm 14, and my mother, she a widow, living without any well-educated. Most of the finances and income was depend on my father. So that's hard for me. I have to find a job, become a household, but just some, because I'm still young, They won't accept me for work. So I'm going at night, do recycling, do the recycling. 
to collect some tin can on the street to get some income. And one, one night, when I come back, my mother is waiting me. She's, she's waiting for you. She's waiting for me. She, she thought that I was hanging out with my friend at night. And she, she, she weighed me with a really big stick that's called made from a bamboo. <laughs> and then she, she comments, where are you from? She asked me. And then I did not say anything. I just takes the one dollar from my pocket and then just, just give to her. She said, where did, where did you get? Yep, just, where did you get this? And I said, well, I go and get it. So, I'm sorry. That's, you gave up school in order to provide for your family, yep. right? So that's, it's hurt her because she don't want me to get out and do to get some income through those things. But I decided to drop out from school and try to find another way and to get on the daytime and go to the cleanse the dishes and get some food, the leftover from the people and just like to feed my, because I have a sick sibling. But later on, just my mother, she gets, that's more worse, also get sick, ill, serious dizzy. And then there was a missionary who come and really care for my family, for my mother, because we don't have any more property to sell. We just stay in a very small room, like we can sit four by four, and we live for seven people, including my mother. So it's really tight. And then she bring my, my mother to do to take the blood test and realize that she got the HIV positive. And I know that's get from my father. And she also passed away. So now you're caring for your entire family. Yeah. All of so I really care about my entire family. It's more another burden for me. But I can see during the poverty, there is love. And the one who the missionary that comes to care for my family, I just realized that he is a Christian. I can show there's no any Buddhist who care about my family, just only a Christian. And I feel the love of Jesus during the poverty. He's, I can say he's the God of the slam. He has the love for the urban poor people, and I decided to accept him as the Lord, my Savior, when I was 18. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, when we hear about things like this, sometimes it's incomprehensible to us, right? How you can go from a life of prosperity with everything being provided, and, and this giant of sickness will just come in take his father, take his mother, and then a 14-year-old boy is now faced with having to drop out of school and uh, just try and sell cans in order to be able to provide food for his siblings. It's a story of, of pain, but in that pain, there's Jesus entering in who has truly transformed your life. Sandy, your story is also a story filled with pain. You were born in a Christian home, and God had to enter into your life too. Just share your story of how you came to Jesus. I try. Okay. <clears throat> I don't speak English well, like Pastor Panda. I want to try to speak you in English. You try to do this part in English, folks. <laughs> I hope you understand. <laughs> okay, uh, I was a Muslim. Uh, I was a sinner, I uh, used drugs, and someday I tried to build my, my life. That 2002, I tried to uh, went to Malaysia uh, to walk, uh, and I should medical checkup, and when uh, the doctor met with me, uh, and uh, read this result. Uh, the doctor said that <coughs> I've, I've got HIV positive, and I feel so broken. 
I don't have hope. And uh, I remember in the train station, I pray to God, please heal me. Uh, God, Muslim, God, Christian, please uh, heal me. And then after that, uh, one day uh, uh, a woman came to me. He uh, hold my hand. She she hold my hand and she told to me, Sandy, uh, accept Jesus, trust to Jesus, don't scare. And uh, I spoke to my heart. This is uh, the answer of my prayer when in the train, st train st station. And I, I back to home and I, I said to my mother, Mom, I want to uh, go to church. And after that, uh, I baptized in uh, 2003, uh, April 18. Uh, uh, and someday, uh, I'm alone in home uh, before my mother go out. He said, she said to me, Sandy, please uh, read uh, gospel, John. And I read twice. And uh, I remember that uh, uh, some message is about, uh, about uh, Thomas who, who won a sign from Jesus' rise. And in John uh, chapter 20, uh, uh, Jesus said to Thomas, because uh, you see, you believe. Bless who, uh, the man who uh, believe but not see. And I feel that uh, Jesus uh, said to me that Sandy, trust to me, believe to me, even now you still sick, you still uh, uh, HIV. And I said to the Lord, and I cry like a child. I cry like a child, maybe around 15 minutes. But I feel peace. I said to, to Jesus, Lord, uh, I know, I believe you can heal me. No doubt. But uh, heal, not heal, I trust to you. Uh, I believe that you are my Lord. That's my story. That's God, whether you heal me or whether you don't, you are my Lord. Reminds me of Daniel. And even if he does not, still I will trust you. As I, as I listen to this, I, I can't get over um, how ironic, how interesting it is that you have a, a Welshman who was born into a home where I, it was government-subsidized housing. Um, I, I went to school and I had free school meals because my mother couldn't afford to give us lunch every day. A number of the houses in my street were boarded up. And I, if you'd have asked me, you know, growing up, if I'd have realized that when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that would start me on a journey that would lead me to sit on this stage, I would never have believed you. And what I find fascinating is I'm sitting on the stage with, with both of you, and I don't know whether you realized at that point in time that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, not only would God start to make a message out of the mess that was your pain and your suffering, that he would do something for you, but he would, um, he would use you to take that message of hope into the world of hopelessness in the way that he has that would even lead you to sharing your story with us. And thank you for being so vulnerable and so honest and so brave in sharing your story. Because I do, I do really believe this. I do really believe that Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And it begins with being honest. But God has set you two on a journey. And, and obviously, you weren't born in a Christian home. Now you're followers of Jesus. But obviously, you both became pastors. 
how did how did that happen? Pat, tell me your what we would call in, over here your call into ministry. How did that happen for you? You've accepted Christ. You're raising your family. You're working hard. You kind of dropped out of school. Your relationship with God is growing. But how did you start in ministry? Yeah, just thinking again for Lillian sharing my callings to the ministry. Just just backs to 2002 that I, 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 I thought that I got a, also got HIV from my mother. So because, you thought you had HIV from Yes, because, because I have touched with the things that are very easy to affect, the HIV. And then one of my dreams that I wanted to be the, the same as my father, to be the army. And 2002, I, have the, the, I want to do the... Uh, go to training for the army, and then they require me to do the blood test. So I really, I really scared because I, I said I cannot freeze if I got the positive. So I prayed to God, like heal or not heal, but I put a condition with God. I said, God, if I got the negative result, I will go to the Bible school. <laughs> so, like, it seems like I am. It's crazy to, to, to put condition with God. <laughs> so, and then the results come. I, I'm like, I'm a bit trembling, and then to get my result, I have to face the result. And the doctor really look at me, and say something that's not good to me. So, and I look, and praise the Lord. I did not have the HIV. So I get a negative thing. So I know God has protected me. So, so I, I go to the Bible school and finish the Bible school. And then I have volunteer with the, with the uh, NGO who, who have, have me during their poverty. And, and then there's a pastor who comes to me. He asked me, Pana, why don't you start a church? And I just looked at him. Well, I, I don't feel that. God just want me to be a pastor. And so, oh, so he just, told me a, he just told me a story. He said, oh, I tell you a story. There was a man who was trapped on his rooftop of his house. So he's going to die because of the flood around his house. And then he prays to God. God, please save me from this flood. And then there was a man with a boat who came and said, hey, guys, come here. Go with me. I will save you. I said, no. He rejected. And then there was a man came with the helicopter to him and said, hey, guys, come. I will save you. I said, no. I wait for my God to save me. And then he died. <laughs> so, I can't wait to see where this goes, Pan. Keep going. <laughs> so he died, and then he said, Lord, Jesus, why don't you, you save me? And he said, to, he said this to Jesus. And he said, Jesus said, well, son, I have sent you a boat with a man. And then I also sent a man with a helicopter. But I reject them both. And then the pastor looked at me, like Pastor Grace looking at me. So, do you want God come to tell you to start a church? So, <laughs> so I, no. No. So I, and I went to my wife and I tell her that God has raised me up and I want to share this love because God is love in poverty. I want to share this love. I want to reach more people. So I have to leave my work and to plant a church with faith. And I tell all my the, 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 the hardest thing that going to happen during our journey as a, a pastor. And she said, honey, we call honey. So honey, if God really called you to the ministry, do it. So she really support, support me with emotion. And we started a church that almost three years from now. And really thanks that Water Edge Network is the one who, like a background, who's supporting us 
like we can say, we are family of kingdom-minded, missionally motivated churches. So I really thank for for this, and thanks, real thanks for the support to hope and life in Cambodia. So, Amen. so. Thank, I'm thanking God for another person who spoke to you and for a wife who, who supported you. Sandy, well, what about you? What was your story? You come to faith in Jesus and you say, God, whether you heal me or whether you don't, you are my God. But it's one thing to follow Jesus like that. It's quite another thing to say, okay, God, I, I'm going to, despite my sickness, I'm, I'm going to serve you. How, how did that happen for you? Yeah. Uh, after I accept Jesus, I, I try to English too. Uh, someday, uh, a pastor from Campus Cruz, he came to me and he said to me, uh, Sandy, uh, I pray for four persons to uh, go to seminary. That I'm sure that uh, you is the one. That uh, uh, I, I talk in, in my heart, uh, I, I said to me that, no, uh, because I'm HIV and no one know about me. I, I'm sick. I was sick. Uh, and I go to uh, my mother. I went to my mother and talked to my mother. And my mother just said, Sandy, please pray. Okay, I pray. I pray. I don't because, you know, uh, first I'm new. I, I, I was new Christian and I'm, I was sick. Uh, I sick HIV. That's I pray and uh, when I pray someday, uh, uh, a leader uh, on my cell, cell group, uh, I talked to him and he said, Sandy, if God call you, there's uh, no face, no two face or this time, uh, that's uh, God's time. And I said, okay, I, 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 I felt peace. Okay, I went to seminary. And then after that, uh, uh, as uh, a pastor, uh, uh, his name is uh, Pastor Harris Drajat, he told to me, Sandy, you should uh, become became, uh, a pastor too. No, in my heart, I'm HIV. No, uh, but I try to pray, and I read the Bible. I want sign from uh, God, and uh, I read the Bible, and I read uh, the message that uh, from uh, One Chronicle uh, chapter twenty-eight, verse ten. First Chronicles twenty-eight. Yeah, about uh, David and Salomo will build uh, the temple. Yeah. That's when I read that. I hear that. Uh, I'm sure that God want me to become a, a pastor. Become mm -hmm. a pastor. That's my story. And so you both embraced that call. Uh, you started off small. I think, Sandy, the first time I met you, you were just starting. There were only a few, a few people. And you uh, were just led to plant a church in a very difficult a very difficult neighborhood. Um, one of the times I went into Sandy's congregation uh, there and uh, we went in through one door, we would always have to go out of another door. And after we left, they were raided. Uh, one of their challenges is they've moved around seven or eight times because when they grow to a certain size, they don't like it. Then they just kick them out and move them on. It's very difficult. So you both embraced that call. And God has done an incredible work. It's not always been easy. If we had more time, I would uh, just get you to share some of the challenges of not only being a follower of Jesus there, but being a pastor. There was one story, uh, Panna will share, that um, when he became a Christian and he's, his mother's died and he's now trying to raise his children, uh, his siblings, they didn't have much food. He would go to the neighbors and who had food and say, would you help us? And his neighbors would turn to him and basically say, ask your God for it. And it would happen over and over again. It's so difficult being a follower of Jesus and a pastor there. But because you both have been faithful, God has done an incredible 
work through you both. Just take a moment with us and, and just share with us briefly what is God doing in your church and how can we pray for you? Yep, thank I have started a church with only 10 people. You started with 10? That's, that's back to uh, two and a half years, like less than three years ago. And then I, I want you to tell you, uh, to share you about the, the blessing that God has blessed for the last end of the year. Last year, over the last year. Over the last year. Um, normally, my church has around the attendance is between 80 to 100 people. So, yeah, let's praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so uh, on the Christmas, my team, they said, okay, let's celebrate our Jesus' birthday or like a, a Christmas celebra celebration. About a year ago. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so and we plans for 100 30 people, we plans 430, and then we decided to do it in the afternoon. Normally we have the service from 9.30. So this time we have like 3.30, and then I'm there before three o'clock, and try to arrange everything's gonna be done before the, the events or before the service. And we look to the chair, there's no people come. It's almost 3.30. And I said to my team, well, maybe we are doing at the wrong time because normally we do it at 9.30 in the morning, but this time we do it at 3.30. And then so I goes to my room and pray and said, Lord, this is your birthday. So pray that people, they come. <laughs> <laughs> so when I come down and I say, oh, we are having problems. What's the problems? Because we don't have enough chair, we don't have enough space for people. And I, I, I praise to God, I said, Lord, it's a good problem for us. I pray that you always bring these problems for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so totally on the time we plans 430, but there are 240 people has come. Mm. And and really thanks the Lord that 25 Buddhism that's really strict on the religion has come and confessed they are a sinner and accept the Lord as their savior. So I really thanks for that. Yeah. So over the last year, the church has doubled in size in just uh, at Christmas this year. Um, 25 people who shared the gospel and 25 Buddhists came to faith in Christ. That's, uh, that really is amazing. And one of the prayer requests you have is you need to find more space. Yeah. Also, like, we are praying because now the Lord is calling me, like, to plan a church, and more people come to the church, and we pray for more facility, a better one. And please also pray that, because the church is, I already, it was in incubation, it's called Dora Church, a sister church, that we are going to have and launch it. And so please pray that. So you're going to reproduce? Yeah, reproduce. And God will, uh, we can, I can share the love of God to other people in the different uh, place also. Yep. Amen. Thanks. So the prayer request there for, for uh, Pana is that uh, God would lead the kind of main campus where they are to uh, a better facility. It's really difficult over there to find facilities when they know that you're a church. It, it's very difficult to do, but also we're thanking God. The uh, AMP strategy, five global giants, is based on the idea of sharing with other people on reproduction, and what we're seeing is that's happening with you, Panna. That's awesome. Sandy, share about what God's done in your church and uh, just how we can pray for you. Okay, I think I need Mr. Win to translate me. Yeah, he's going to translate this part. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, puji Tuhan untuk apa yang Tuhan kerjakan di tahun ini. Praise the Lord what he has done uh, this year for me. Tahun ini uh, kami membaptiskan lebih dari 20 orang Sunda dan orang Muslim. Uh, this year we have baptized 20 uh, Sundanese and Muslims. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, dan uh, pada perayaan Natal tahun ini 2017 and in the last uh, Christmas uh, 
2017. Yep. Pastor Kelly dan uh, Mr. Bill datang ke Indonesia. Pastor Kelly and Mr. Bill came to Indonesia. Dan datang dalam perayaan Natal itu. And attended the uh, celebration. Uh, puji Tuhan bahwa uh, ada 600 orang hadir di dalam perayaan Natal itu. Praise the Lord, there were about 600 people attended the festivity. Praise the Lord. Dan puji Tuhan ada lima, waktu saya berkhotbah dan uh, memberikan tantangan ada 50 orang menerima Yesus sebagai Tuhan dan Juruselamat. Uh, praise the Lord when I challenge them, uh, there are 15 people uh, or 50 people uh, has accepted Jesus. Yeah. Gereja Pangrango saya memulai pelayanan ini dengan 17 orang. The Pangrango Church started with 17 people. Kami sudah tujuh kali pindah tempat. And we have moved seven times. Karena penolakan dari warga. Because of the rejection of the community. Tapi puji Tuhan gereja ini bertumbuh dan hari ini kehadiran sekitar 200 orang. Pas praise the Lord, despite all that uh, problem, the the congregation has grown to uh, 200 people. Ya, ada satu uh, cerita menarik uh, tentang satu orang yang percaya Yesus, orang Sunda, orang Muslim tahun ini. There is a, a story about one Christian, a Sundanese Christian. Orang Muslim. Uh, oh, Sundanese Muslim. Uh, di, uh, saya melayani keluarga ini uh, dan keluarga uh, namanya Bapak Sutisna. We serve this uh, family. The name Sutisna. Dia orang Sunda dan orang Muslim. Dia Sundanese Muslim. Dan uh, uh, dia keadaannya miskin dan dia membut- uh, anak-anaknya membutuhkan. Uh, dia punya enam anak. dan membutuhkan biaya pendidikan. They poor and they have six children needing uh, education. Dan satu kali uh, orang tuanya datang kepada saya, Pak Sutisna dan istri untuk meminta bantuan untuk sekolah anaknya. One day the parents came to me and asked for help for the children's education. Dan kami berusaha membantu dan puji Tuhan tahun ini Pak Sutisna menerima Tuhan Yesus sebagai Tuhan dan Juruselamat. And we try to support them and thank God this year they decided to accept Jesus dan sudah dibaptis and have baptized have been baptized uh, pastor pastor Sandy is in a similar situation his facility is so small uh, where he is and just trying to find a new facility for him is really difficult it's one of the prayer requests that we really have is it's for both of them to really be given favor and shown favor that they would be able to find a place that is big enough to, to hold their congregation. It's obviously a different problem to what we have. And uh, just outside in the, in the foyer just the other day, they said, Pastor Craig, my church isn't as big as the gap between your two, you know, the, the, the two little, uh, little, what do you call it, columns that are outside. That's the kind of facilities that they're in. We're blessed here. But I'm sure you'd agree with me, they are blessed and that we've been blessed just by hearing their story, hearing their faithfulness. And we want to thank you for, um, thank you for being here. We actually, I do actually want to end this time by praying for them. So what I would like you both to do is if you would be willing to just go and kneel by the altar, what I'm going to do is just as the team prepare to come up, what I'd like to do is I would really like to pray for them. Uh, if you come down off the stage, guys, and uh, just kneel this way, yeah. Yeah, they're going to jump. There you go. And what I, what I want to happen, if some of you have just really identified with what they're saying, what I'd like you to do is just come and surround them. Let's surround these guys with love. Let's surround these guys with support. Uh, let's pray the blessing of God on them. Uh, because where they minister, they minister faithfully. They are bold. And what I pray is that they would sense that there is an army of people over here just praying for them and loving on them and really being their support and their shield. So join me as we go before God on their behalf.
Father, I know that there are people who probably walked through this, these doors today with the weight of their world on their shoulders. Maybe they're in situations which seem hopeless. They've just been laid off. They wonder how they're gonna pay the next bill. They wonder what's gonna happen in their relationships where there seems no hope. Father, what we've heard today is that when we put you first, you make a way, even where there seems to be no way. You've done that for Panna, you've done that for Sandy, and we thank you that you have done that for so many people in this room. And if there is anyone, Father, who is despondent or feels hopeless, we thank you for the hope and the life that's found in Jesus. And Father, we thank you too that even though we are divided from Sandy and Panna by time and distance, by language, by culture, it's truly a different world. We thank you that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters with them in Jesus. We thank you for that. And we thank you for the fact that you brought them into our lives and us into theirs. And God, we pray that as they return from here on Tuesday, that they would go with a sense that there is an army of people standing with them, supporting them, and being for them. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and that you would anoint them supernaturally for the new season that they're in. We thank you for those people that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for those people who believe in Christ, those who are just going public with their faith that will be shunned from their families and put out and left alone. But we thank you that you have raised these men to pass the churches that will ensure that those who have been put out will be brought in. And God, I pray that you would do a work in them that would just defy logic and explanation. Father, the countries are large. There are so many people in their, in their nation that have never heard the name of Jesus. And you have raised them and men like them, people like them, to just share the hope and life of Jesus with their nation. So God, anoint them for that task. Use them and bless them, we pray. And whatever need they have, meet that need, not only according to your riches and glory, but also from the resources that you have placed in the harvest around them and with them. God, we love you and we love them. And we thank you for the inspiration they are to us in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's thank Sandy and Panna Shelley for...